to shooting lately. So yesterday, uh, Wyoming Valley Airport up in uh, just just south of Scranton, uh, they had their local airport day. So they were running a few Cessnas, and I think there's a Husky, and then there's a Steerman giving rides. Uh, so went up there with uh, Rytai and took a few pictures. So I would say Steerman and Husky were the last things that I shot. That's cool. How about you, Nick? Uh, last thing I shot was a couple birds on a river in Annapolis, Maryland. Actually, I did catch a C-17 and a C-5 out of Dover, but they were pretty high up. Uh, saw a couple bald eagles. They didn't get close enough for anything fun. And I took a couple pictures of my buddy uh, pinching on his pectoral muscles and diving into a pool. Nothing really to write home about. <laughs> what was the last flying thing you were able to shoot outside of the birds? <laughs> um, last thing before that was uh, working with the F-22 team in Dover, working with uh, Sam Ekholm and uh, doing some up-close stuff with the F-22 team that is yet to be released that was pretty sick. So excited about that. That was the last thing I shot that was 70,000 pounds of thrust. Nice. Yeah. How about you, James? Well, last weekend I was down at Udvar Hazy Museum. Uh, Robert Griffith flew in from London. I spent the day with him there. Chris Rose, also part of FDA, joined us there. So I had a day shooting there. Some nice static stuff at the museum. Uh, good time. Finally meeting up with Rob. Hanging out with him. Good dude. So yeah, look, look forward to meeting him one there. of these days. Yeah, he'll, you'll, you'll get along with him. Everyone will, I think. Yeah. He's super <laughs> chill. I loved your F-14 shot that you posted. That was really yeah. nice. Oh, thanks. Yep. Yeah, that museum's really dark, but it yep. lets you be more creative with your editing style that you do there. So Yeah, it definitely seems to lend itself to your style for sure. Yeah, it really does. Then we went Monday down at the other Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, but it's under renovation, so it was kind of a bust of a visit, but Ooh, is fun. what it is. Yeah. So I've never been to either of those. What's what's kind of the difference between Udvar Hazy and, and the the main one downtown? Uh, Udvar Hazy is, I think, much larger. That's where you have the SR-71 Discovery Shuttle. Just a lot more stuff there. I think the can't speak for what normally is in dc because like i said it was under renovation but it's i think more space oriented probably mm-hmm. um but yeah there's two i've only been to the one in dc just this last week and it was a wash so i couldn't really tell you what it normally is like huh but udvar hazy is is great yeah. it really is it's it's nice when there's less people there but good luck like any museum it's nice to shoot with no people that's why the editing style I use there seems to work sure my dad just got back from uh, from Dayton and was up at the uh, Air Force Museum there and was sending me snaps and texts and whatnot of everything there and man what a what a drool fest that is oh yeah that, sure. that museum's great that is the one in DC only been there once hopefully make it there again here Maybe in December with the meetup that 
Charles Church is trying to set up. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was seventy degrees here today um, with very little wind, and um, my dear wife uh, said it was all right if I took off to the airport about no five thirty or so, and I stayed out there for about an hour and fifteen minutes, and um, just had oh had four Stearman in the pattern and a Stinson and a Satabria and a couple of 152s and all sorts of fun stuff um, but uh, really just had just kind of some fun pan practice about 20 feet from the edge of the runway and things screaming by you um, but doesn't uh, sound like a bad Sunday no not at all so I think I, I cleared 300 shots or something like that in the little time that I was there and I uh, look forward to Look forward to making through all that, but uh, it was kind of funny. One of the one of the guys came through and, and smoked the field in a steerman, and it was I don't know. It was probably twenty minutes before I left, and when I left, um, I was just taking a picture of just kind of how the sun was setting at the airport, and you know, lots of just kind of hazy. Well, I started driving down the road, and I was a half a mile west of the airport, and the smoke from the steerman was still laying about four feet off the ground just hanging there (laughs) so that's how you know you're near Stearman Field when the when the the fog rolls in and there's no weather systems associated (laughs) that's pretty cool man so with that welcome to Full Disc Aviation Podcast Episode 2 I'm your host Nick Moore and with me are three of my good friends from New York City Nick Pascarella good evening and from Allentown, Pennsylvania, Mr. Ryan Kelly. And our special guest for the night from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, James Woodard. How you doing? Doing well. Good. So, um, you know, just due to timing, we, we finally were able to get James on here. And, um, you know, it seems like these first three episodes or first two so far, um, there's been a little bit of story about how full disc aviation got its start. But uh, I, I feel like I need to at least put this last little tidbit in there. Um, I mentioned the, the last time that, you know, basically nobody knew how to put a podcast together. And um, so it just uh, wound up being this long drawn out um, Instagram chat with 15 or 16 people. And then one day, uh, James pops up and says, hey, what would you guys think about doing a, a website? Maybe we could do stories and galleries. And, um, you know, my initial thought was, well, that's great, but I don't know any more about uh, doing a website than I do making a podcast. But, uh, James, take it away. Let us know kind of what your what your initial vision was there and kind of how things are going with all that. Yeah, uh, I had done a couple of websites for my own photography several different times playing with different uh, formats, systems out, that are out there for that. Also, at work, I did our website, uh, so I was comfortable doing them. Uh, so I just figured, hey, let's just do a website. So what it took me, I think, about two days, I had the initial one up. Uh, <laughs> and then, I don't know, a week and a half later, maybe, two weeks, I had pretty much what we have up now as a starting website and kept rolling with it, man. Things started quick and... We were pumping out stuff right away, and I think I think most people enjoy the website. I think it's pretty clean, easy to navigate through, and that's what we were going after, and uh, happy to do it, man. 
Well, I think I can speak on behalf of all of us, but um, especially all of us that don't know how to do that. But we really appreciate the effort because it looks great. I appreciate that. It's, it's for everybody, man, not just uh, me. I enjoy doing it. It can be a challenge sometimes, but the format we use, Squarespace, the platform we use, excuse me, uh, Squarespace, uh, I'd recommend it highly to anyone who wants to start a website. It's, it's pretty user-friendly. Little quirks here and there, but little research and... You'll be able to figure it out and keep moving. Well, awesome. So with uh, with that being said, you know, we've, we've now got an aviation website. Um, how'd you get into aviation? Well, unlike most of you full disc guys, um, it didn't start at a young age. Uh, growing up in Nebraska, yeah, was the farthest thing from a memory probably. Aviation never had any inkling to appreciate it at all. Uh, moved to Jersey, New Jersey, Southern New Jersey, late in 1999. Um, my younger brother started working at a aviation museum down there, Naval Air Station Wildwood. It's a World War II museum, which they now have. It became an aviation museum. Period. It's not just World War II, but it's set in an actual World War II hangar, which is awesome. Um, so once he started working there, I eventually started working there part-time as well, and that's where my appreciation for it came into play. So let's, uh, let's back up even a little bit further then, because I, I don't think you've been, uh, or I think you've been doing this for a while now, but how'd you get into photography? Uh, that was a random thing. I was out shopping for a new bed, walked by the electronics section, saw this pretty decent-looking DSLR on closeout sale. It was an Olympus E410. Micro Four Thirds, I think. Um, I was like, hey, yeah, why not? I'll buy that instead of a bed. Uh, started taking pictures. <laughs> Back I already had a bed. Since. I already had a bed. I was looking for an upgrade, but anyway. Uh, started taking pictures, and I never put the camera down, man. I, uh, it was mainly nature stuff. Some of my nephews and nieces, you know, messing around with taking pictures of them, other family uh, members. Um and then, naturally, eventually, I ended up going to World War II weekend up in Reading, which isn't too far from where I was living at the time. Um, took some pictures there. Thought they were cool. Looking back, yeah, not so much, <laughs> naturally. Um, but, yeah, that those first time shooting aviation was that. Uh, didn't really shoot it much after that initial World War II weekend. But then... In 2015, so I was down in Virginia Beach at my wife's brother's house, um, right next to Naval Air Station Oceana, and we heard this noise, and he's like, oh yeah, the jets are flying over. I was like, really? So I go outside with my camera. He's like, they'll be coming back. <laughs> two, two more hornets come back, and it's evening time, so they are got the lights and all that landing lights on, whatever. And I was like, wow, this is just awesome like i can't believe it like this is cool and he's like oh there's an air show here in a couple months you should check it out so i did that was 2015 oceana show i came back down for that and ever since then it's been been hooked so i'll take it all back down to 2015 oceana first air show and then ever since what was the gear you were using for that show Uh, i think at that point i was probably the canon 60d Okay. I may have rented a 
Tamron 600 millimeter, the 150 to 600, the first generation, I think, is what I had rented. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got some good stuff. Nothing good prop wise, but jets were good. Right. Because that was before I knew what slow shutter was. <laughs> but um, how long before that was it that you uh, that you got your first Olympus? Uh, I got the Olympus in '09, I think. So it was quite okay. a while. I mean, I had gone to, like I said, World War II weekend a couple times. Uh, Smoketown Airport, local airport here, has a fly-in. I did that a couple times um, and liked it. You know, just wasn't uh, a love of it. I don't think that happened until I got Oceana with the military, feeling closer to the military and everything really is what drew me in. Not only are you remembering... The World War II stuff, you know, the old stuff, but also supporting military, which I'm all about. And I think that's kind of what really pulled me into loving aviation. That's awesome. Uh, what um, What are some of your favorite uh, things to shoot? And I think um, you said you shot like kind of landscape, nature, headshot, portrait type stuff beforehand. Does that stuff still come up? And also, what is your favorite type of like aviation stuff to shoot? For non-aviation right now, I enjoy shooting, I'll say, like, industrial-type stuff. Uh, My day job is working for a site contractor, so we got a lot of big heavy iron uh, excavators, dozers. So I enjoy shooting that kind of stuff. Um, I still enjoy the landscapes, storms. Uh, People, not so much, unless they're pilot in front of their plane. (laughs) Favorite aviation-wise, I'm really digging uh, static shots right now. Um, get the people away from the planes, just you, the camera, the plane, and whatever's around it. I think it leads to more creative uh, post-processing as opposed to a plane in a blue sky, which to me sometimes can get a little boring. Sure. So I like to do what I can with the static stuff as well as the museum stuff lately. I think it just, you can get more creative with it. I feel like it combines the geographical element as well as, you know, the aircraft itself. Correct. Just personally, I, you know, I, like, I enjoy shooting stuff, you know, below the tree level. So you get a lot of that color, texture, stuff to pan against mm-hmm. or not if you want to capture jelly or whatever. But, uh, yeah, what's your favorite airplane to shoot? Right now I'm going to have to say the F-35. Nice. It just um, all that that probably goes back to our air to air or the uh, media flight we did out of uh, with the five fourteenth Air Mobility Wing with me and Rye Guy. Uh, that definitely stuck in my head. So I'm kind of in love with F thirty five right now. <laughs> That's understandably so. I mean, I. I imagine it was pretty difficult shooting through that glass. I mean, I'm, you guys can both speak to that. Uh, I've never had the honor and privilege of shooting through what ten inches of blast glass on a KC ten. Is that what it was? A KC ten. Correct. Yeah, it was it challenging getting a focus, getting a lock on the jets. You could go ahead, Ryan. Uh, from the boomer seat, no, not really. Uh, I I think they did us a favor and probably clean the glass a little bit That's nice. um the windows like over the wing and and along the fuselage were a little bit more scratched up so those were a little bit more difficult to shoot out of um, yeah, yeah but for stuff behind the aircraft it, it was it was clear i mean 
The camera's locked on. At least mine did. I, yeah, I, I didn't have any real issues with it. I mean, there's a couple shots here and there. If you start pixel peeping, you can tell sure. there was some, let's say, diffraction or whatever from mm-hmm. not looking straight through the glass. You're kind of in an angle, but overall, they, it was good. Do they warp the jets at all? Like the lines? Uh, I, I think I think I have a couple where you can see it. Really? Uh, like like Ryan said, more through the side windows. You can de- like if you weren't looking straight out, you're trying to angle. If they were behind you or in front of you a little bit, mm. you definitely can see some work. Okay. Look at that. Yeah, that flight sure. didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you guys take for that flight? Were you able to bring the whole bag, or did you have kind of thought out what you were going to do? Uh, I knew we were going to do it, so I rented a Canon uh, 5DSR, the 50-megapixel monster. Um, and by recommendation of Joe Kopelman, he said do the, th- the what is it, a 30 to 300, 70 to 300 Canon. Um, gives you a lot of different reach. Variation, you can go wide, you can go zoom in quite a bit. You're talking so about was 28 to main, 300? 28 to 300, my fault. Yes, that is correct, Nick. Fantastic. That's a. I've always wanted to try that lens. It looks sweet. That's a big yeah, range. It, it, it's still sharp. The thing is old, like really old. <laughs> in today's terms, it's old. Still but expensive. It still does the job. Yeah. Still expensive. Yeah. It's still nice glass. And like he said, not knowing what you're getting it into, it's kind of uh, cover all your bases. So For that's sure. what I was using. Because I wanted to get as many pixels as I can. So I said, I'm just going to go for the 50 and. That way I can crop down if I have to and not lose really any good resolution and did the job for me. Nice. My computer didn't like it, but. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? What uh, what'd you bring? Uh, let me think. So I had the uh, my D750 for full frame and attached to that was the 24 to 120. Um, I kind of went with the same mentality that James had was, you know, didn't really know how it was going to be set up. So just kind of be prepared for whatever. Um, and I think I rented a D 7,000 series camera and rented, uh, like the Nikon two to 500 just cause I, I, again, I didn't know where we were going to be shooting and I felt like lugging the 150 to 600 was just not attractive. So <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I rented a different crop sensor and, uh, uh, just pre, uh, pre D 500 days. So, uh, yeah, I think it was a 7,200 that I rented something like that. So you had two rigs on the, on the, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Cool. Um, some of our favorite guys shoot from that platform, James, I was going to ask you what, uh, what some of your influences have been recently, some of these guys that we follow or that maybe we don't follow that, uh, that really have work that inspires you. Uh, I would say, uh, first and foremost, I think most people follow him and know him is Kadar. Uh, his works just speaks for itself. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. also rich Cooper with co-op. He does some tremendous stuff. He was up in Alaska recently. Yes. Got some F-16 aggressors with the night uh, northern, northern lights. lights. 
yeah. at the same time. It's just like, what in the world? That's yeah, yeah that's uh, bucket list stuff. I'm he not sure how to work. say his. <laughs> yeah, not sure how to say his name. That Hezja, um, his work is also just yeah. ridiculous. I mean, that's all you can say about it. It's on yeah. a whole different level. Um, also, Joe Copelman, uh, we met him a couple years ago in uh, down in. Jeez. Down, where where did we meet him at, Ryan? I can't even think. Was that El Centro? Yeah, El Centro, El Centro is where we first met him. Um, worked with him a little bit on the night shoot. Super cool dude. Uh, and his stuff, it's it's not Kadar stuff where he's always up in the air getting all these ridiculous air-to-air stuff. It's just well-planned, well-thought-out shots, um, a variation of different things. Really good stuff. Um, Super humble guy, too. Yeah, very humble. Uh, so right now I'd say those guys would be the main ones. Cool. So, uh, James... Uh, you know, we were talking about statics and everything, and, and you brought up El Centro, made me think about, I loved shooting the statics when we were at Thunder Over Michigan, uh, so that was one of my favorite trips uh, that we've been on for full disc. Has there been any that's been your favorite? Uh, this year? Uh, or just in me. general. Yeah. Um, the Canyon earlier this year obviously was something that I'm glad that me and Nick were able to go out and do. It yeah. was uh, not even only for the getting the shots of the jets going through there, but just the whole landscape and everything out there in general. It's just beautiful. Uh, yeah, waking up in the real. morning, mountains behind you, you know, going through the mountains at night, getting led down dark roads from Mike Henry, thinking we're going to get lost and break a car while he's in a big <laughs> truck. Uh, that was good times. But uh, that whole trip, all in all, was great. Um I'd say that's probably my favorite trip to date. Um, but Thunder Over Michigan, obviously, this year was a pretty great uh, weekend as well. Yeah, uh, I, I love the stuff that you guys got out at the canyon. Um, and you just even the landscapes and the star stuff that you guys got is just un, unreal. So um, would love to get out there at some point. Yeah, it's a special place. Like I said, I want to go out there again, not even for the Jets, just to take the family out there and see the mountains and the desert and everything. It's 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 great. Right on, man. So, James, one thing I can say when I look at your edits, um, I know it's your shot before I even, um, you know, can see the name on it. I'm just kind of curious, you know, I feel like you're, you're one of the people that really has done a great job of just developing your style, if you will. Um, how long of a work in progress has that been? I mean, I know it's, I know it's changing every day, but, um, you know, how long is it taking you to get to the point where you are, do you feel? Um, I'm never happy, obviously, always striving to find different ways of editing things and new techniques that I see other people do. I try to integrate that into what I'm doing. Um, a lot of time on YouTube, trying to figure out the ins and outs of Photoshop and Lightroom and everything. Um, so it's always a work in progress. Um, I'd say maybe over the last uh, year and a half, two years is probably when I really started diving into going from Lightroom into Photoshop and back into Lightroom and learning all that kind of in and outs of both of those programs. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of happy with where I'm at, but I know there's always more to learn. Um, I know I was telling 
out at uh, Thunder of Michigan, I was showing some of the guys some of the gradiated filters and how you can erase some of them and then add back into it and all that kind of stuff. Um, that some of the guys had no idea about. So I'm always happy to tell the other guys the quirks that they may not know. Yeah, and I, I can speak for myself, but probably everybody else. We we really appreciate that. <laughs> I didn't even know of that button. I just thought it was another button in Lightroom. So <laughs> yeah, we you really got an excuse. Stuff. You haven't been using it very long. <laughs> I have yeah. none. We need to do a big, uh, somehow find out, we do a sh- uh, screen sharing session with uh, sharing how we edit stuff and showing yeah. people what we do and don't know and learning from each other. It's something we Peel should back figure out how to do. Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be cool to see like a, a like two-minute video of how someone goes through a flow from start to finish. Absolutely. Uh, I might need more than two minutes. <laughs> Five to ten or 15, 20, 35. <laughs> Do it in, okay. like, 10-speed time. <laughs> yeah. Did you get all that, Nick? Compressed, yeah. <laughs> you work, like, you know, 20 minutes on a on a photo sometimes, don't you? Yeah. Uh, one of the A400 shots from Michigan this year, I think I had at least 25, 30 minutes into cloning out every single orange cone I could find. Mm. Uh, it was well worth the time, I think. Um, orange cones are ugly. They shouldn't yes. be in any photo. Agreed. Uh, yes. Sometimes, obviously, you can't do anything with it, but um, this one I felt like I wanted wanted the shot without the cones in there, and it was worth it to me. Nice. Yeah, It's sometimes the shot is worth taking that stuff out. There's a Spitfire shot that I did the same thing with. I spent like 30 minutes going pixel by pixel, getting rid of the fence and the cones and the ladder mm-hmm. and the lights and the, the rows and rows and rows of porta-potties. Yeah, I had a uh, down at Naval Station Wildwood. Uh, I was down there the other weekend and shot the F-14. They had it sitting outside. Sun was setting. The light was hitting it. It was beautiful. Uh, they had the tow bar still hooked up and, a, and an orange cone in front of the tow bar. Well, the final <laughs> shot has no tow bar and has no cone. My man. That one took some time. I had to kind of make up a couple parts of the tire, but <laughs> it, it worked out. <laughs> I've done that before. If you zoom out, it's, you know, if you don't tell anyone about it, no one's going to notice that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I did a panoramic shot, so it's got plenty of pixels to to play with. Nice, man. So you're headed off to an air show. What, uh, what's in your bag right now? Uh, my main body is a 5D Mark IV Canon. Uh, backup is a 7D Mark II. My main lens is the Sigma Sport 150 to 600. Also in there will be the 70 to 200, 28, uh, a 1740 f4 and a 2470 f2.8. Um, that's my lenses. That's my bodies. They usually go with me to every show unless there's some sort of bag restriction or whatever, and then it's usually just the. 150, 600, and one of the wide angles. For you Nikon guys, that's a full frame and a crop. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys, it goes like, you know, 50D, 60D, and I hear 80D. I'm like, oh, that sounds familiar. Okay. <laughs> I, I still don't know why or how their rhyme or reason is to numbering their cameras, but 
whatever. Yeah. Nikon makes just as much sense. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the lower the number, the better the camera, but it didn't used to be that way, so. All right. <laughs> just yeah, giving, like, you... car names, you know, like the Sphinx or the, the Banshee or, like, a, the Camry. It'd be, like, a, the entry level. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> the Kia for when you go to El Centro. Yeah, and, and beat that up, apparently. Yeah. Still never got a bill for that. Uh, so my main body I use is a 5D4. Uh, say 90% of my shots are on that one. The 7D Mark II rarely get to use anymore. Interesting. So the question we've uh, we've kind of asked so far, and I'm gonna I'm gonna actually phrase this a little bit better than I did for uh, for Nick and Ryan the first time. But what is your one unicorn of an airplane? Has to be still flying, but it's basically the last airplane you're gonna get to shoot. What is it? When I first heard you ask Nick that uh, episode zero, I believe. My answer was the same as his before it even came out of his mouth. It was an F4 in the jungle. Um, so I won't use that one. Um, the other day I was thinking about it, knowing I was going to be on here. I'd have to say some air-to-air with Apaches doing some live firing somehow. Um, I'd have to say that's my unicorn. I've never shot an Apache at all. Static, flying, nothing. So I would say that'd be my unicorn. Get a couple of them up in the air shooting some stuff off that'd be pretty epic should hit up our friend combat aviator and make that yeah i think he's still in korea but i don't know if he's stateside yet or not let's get some tickets yeah i did i did tell him when he's stateside we wanted to work with him so we'll see what happens cool so i'll uh i'll give you one you haven't prepared for um aircraft Hmm. not flying Ooh. Not flying in America or not the world. No, no flying examples available in the world right now. Damn it! So I can't say the F fourteen. Um, Technically not. Uh, oh, Blackbird. It's a solid choice. I, I didn't mean, ask you guys this the last time, so Nick Ryan, care to chime in? Oh man. Um, I just see that. Uh, like on the on the prices, right? You know that big wheel that everyone spins is just like the airplanes just like cycle through at like such a rapid pace that I'm like, oh, 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 yeah, oh, 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 no, eh, eh. Mm. I'd go with a Hustler. B fifty eight. That's my number two. What's your number one? Peacemaker. Hmm. You know, wide angle for that one. Yep, very <laughs> wide angle. <laughs> Man. I wonder what that would cost per hour to operate. My dad and I were trying to figure that out. I have no idea. A Is lot. That, Is that six turning and what, two or four burning? Yep. Jesus. All right, you ready for this? How do, you, how do you say it? Is it Dornier or Dornier, Dor, uh, that German company? The DO-17, the pencil bomber? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's a twin-engine, very 
thin fuselage uh, medium bomber used by Germany in World War II in the early part of the war. Uh, they'd come over in waves uh, against RAF airfields in London. Um, and this was with the JU-88s and, you know, of course, the 110s, the 109s. Uh, did they have 111? I think they had 111s at that point as well, but they were in the early parts of their... Oh, we did. I, I just I looked it up on, on Google here. I did too. It almost looks like a B-25, but a tailwheel. Yeah, and it's like the skinniest B-25... Ever. You've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. It's like all the crew members have to, like, you know, pencil themselves straight and just, you know, yeah. just lay down. Like they're flying like Superman. They got the control wheel like at their face hmm. wow. I, don't know, I made that up Pulling entirely out the stuff there. Probably... <laughs> I like it though yeah, that last part was made up I don't know if they lay down in there but uh, but yeah that's that'd be a really interesting shoot like over the English channel yeah that'd be cool There's your curveball answer to your curveball question. <laughs> and you fouled it off to the left. Uh, yep. <laughs> yep. As usual. And then I strike out the next pitch and I'm out. We lose the uh, series. Well, in kind of recent news, I think we've all all seen it, but the um, there was a, a set of photos that were, were produced by um, the, the Blue Angels when they flew with Doc. Uh, I can't remember what air show they were at, but out in California. And um, there was, uh, let's just say, just a lack of, of prop blur, and it, it brought up a lot of interesting discussions throughout the internet, and um, and just kind of wanted to maybe just have a roundtable discussion on prop blur, you know, why we why we do it, you know, and you know maybe offer some tips, things like that, um, you know, to to help help others figure that out, but. Um, at any rate, I just kind of want to open it up if you guys have any comments or want to add to anything with that. Well, if we could clarify how the shoot was being done, uh, just to to give the whole scene. Um, yeah. The, Doc's, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah Doc's and that was props. you know that was kind of the kind of where I wanted to go with this was that you know initially when I first saw that you know I I thought man what a what a wasted opportunity that um, you know the props on Doc were effectively stopped. You know, and then, you know, time goes by and kind of peel the peel the onion back and, and realize that they were shooting this whole formation out of the backseat of Blue Angel 7, which you can't look backwards or probably even much sideways to shoot out of. So they were, by all accounts, cutting in front of the formation as they were flying by at who knows what speed. And... um you know, I've I've shot out of the side of a 172 and a bird dog and a steerman, but I've not shot out of the side of a of a hornet, and um, so I'm not one to judge. And you've also not shot out of the side of a hornet crossing in front of a formation at exactly. you know, 450 miles <laughs> yep. an hour. So, um, you know, like I said, my my initial thoughts were were quickly curbed, and I I feel 180 degrees different of you know how how I initially felt, and you know. Um, no judgment passed because until you um, get to wear those shoes um, and prove that you can do better, it's it's kind of hard to um, hard to make that claim. But I don't know if you guys had any other any other thoughts on that particular shoot or anything to add to that. 
No, I think I was on the same boat as you. You know, I first saw it. I was like, wow, wow. Like, I don't even know what to say. But once you heard how they were doing it, you're like, I I get it. For one, I can't imagine how difficult it was just to get what they got. Right. So, and, and just, it would be physically impossible to get anything with any real motion doing it that way. So it's like, they did what they had. I wasn't up there doing it. So kudos to whoever was shooting. You know, they got what they got. It's the only thing they could get. It's like the reverse panning. Job. Yeah, yeah, the type of blur they would be getting would be probably, you know, the Blue Angel Delta behind the plane. Like if the plane's in focus, like you mm-hmm. might get, you know, the, the midsection of the plane in focus. But the, you know, as you cross in front of the formation, if that's what they were doing, you know, the background's obviously going to be blurry. Yeah. Yeah, and who do we know? I mean, maybe those shots exist and they just didn't come out due to the circumstances, so they mm-hmm. weren't shared. I just, did say some over, did see some over the top shots, right? I yeah. think I saw some. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was hoping, at least once I heard how they did, I'm like, well, I'm hoping they kind of got some shots top looking down, and they did, yeah. and those look great. So, I haven't seen those. That's cool. I mean, just to get the timing right, to be dead yeah. center on. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. tough enough as it is. Yep, yeah. and let alone have that be the one frame that happened to be sharp enough. Right, right. I'm glad you brought that up. That'd be tough to get him centered like that. But there was a lot of uh, jump to conclusions talk all over the uh, the Facebooks. Oh, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I think we all thought it was shot out of a you know the back of a C one thirty or something like that, and it's mm-hmm. just you know your initial reaction, like you guys said, is uh, well, you know, just go ahead and hit the dial down a little bit and get some blur in there, but no. Like yeah. you guys said, once we uh, once we found out exactly how it was shot, I mean, great. I'll say a great shot. I don't care if it's sticky props or not. It looks good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, and this sometimes it's said with the gear that you have, do the best you can with what you got. But in this situation, it was the actual situation, and maybe not the gear. Yep. So all that being said, um, you know, our, our group is called Full Disc Aviation. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a term used for, for anybody that doesn't know, um, meaning, a uh, a full, full circle of prop arc. When we look at, at a shot, you can't see a, a gap between, um, spinning blades of the prop. Um, I think it's just something that all of us appreciate and strive for. Um, but I can speak for myself and say that, you know, just, um, you know, looking at a photo for me if if it's got a, a good deal of prop blur even even a little bit of prop blur you know um, aircraft that are flying you know they're not a static object they're they're moving and and that's the you know that's the easiest way to give some action to say hey this wasn't just frozen in time mm-hmm. and you know to me that's why it's so important to you know pay attention and when you're shooting a, a propeller driven aircraft you know like like Ryan said set the dial down and um, you know pan with it um, and, and come up with something that's got, if nothing else, a little bit of motion to it because it just adds so much extra pop to the photo. Agreed. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, last year when we were doing the air-to-air down in Culpeper. Uh, they were doing an introduction into this, the photo platform, the photo ship, because there was another group doing one before us earlier in the day. So they got everyone on board at one time, kind of go over the ins and outs of the plane, whatever. And the one guy said, "Oh, I don't like, I don't, I, I, I don't like what do you say? What do you say, Ryan? I don't like 
whole I don't disc or, I don't like to see the the whole uh, circle the whole, or the whole disc yeah, around the, the propeller. It yeah, doesn't to, look real. <laughs> it doesn't look. It doesn't real, look real. Said. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. To to which the one of the other the people on the plane. Yeah. yeah. Was like, well, when we're up in the air and there's a plane, you know, 50 feet behind us, you tell me what you see. I guarantee it ain't gonna be props. <laughs> You're gonna see the disc. So that, I mean, that right there, you know, like you said, they're not static. They're moving. So as long as long as there's something there. My my favorite part about that is that one of the other instructors looked over at us because we were sitting across from the guy, mm-hmm. and he kind of laughed. And we're wearing our full disc aviation t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, that's you give some life to the you know like uh, Scott Francis said, one of the more recent stories that we wrote, like the drama of the prop, like it's called prop art, as opposed to proc the prop arc. You know, when we're describing the blur of the propeller and it's a challenge to get it, you know, you drop the shutter more and more and it gets more and more challenging to get a sharp photo. And when you do, the slice of sharpness you get might not be on the part that you want it, um, even if you're good. And I think that, you know, when you shoot a whole bunch of slow shutter shots and you get a whole bunch of blurry photos, that's okay. Like you, you're not going to stick them all. Like you might stick one out of those and that's a good day. And even if you don't, that's okay because you're getting closer to that shot, like the penultimate. Yeah. It's definitely more rewarding when you look back at your shots and you find one that is in focus. You got the full for the full disc, uh, as opposed to a sticky prop shot or whatever. And it just looks like the plane's just floating there, not moving. Definitely more rewarding when all your hard work actually pans out pun intended. <laughs> yeah and i'll i'll say it too is i mean just like air to air uh there's there's definitely variables i mean depends on the aircraft you're shooting you know like a extra 300 is going to be easier to shoot getting full disc than a three-bladed corsair uh it's just based on the speed of the prop and and how big the actual propeller is um i mean it, it's it's I think that's probably the biggest variable is you don't know how powerful or how much power they're putting into the engines. I mean, I think Warbirds, I, I, I don't don't think that they would really push the throttle up as as far as it can go anymore. I mean, uh, you want to preserve the airplane as much as you can and preserve the engine, but right. I, that takes a Mustang pilot to answer that. I can't. Where are you at, I Scooter? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they don't go into war emergency power during. A- Oh, you know, a barrel roll at an no. air show. No, I wouldn't think so. But, <laughs> I mean, I've been at one fortieth like before uh, with a three-bladed Corsair, and I don't get a full disc. Yeah, Corsairs are tough. Yeah. If they're off the throttle, yeah, it's yeah. It's, Even a four-blade Corsair, it's fun yeah. shooting uh, class of forty-five. But you know, I often just set mine for one over sixty and just um, you know shoot away. And, um, you know, scooter every time, you know, it's, it's the full disc and, and, uh, the, uh, Torx plane is just, uh, you know, it's just a, just a bit shy of that. Mm-hmm. And I know they're matching yeah. speed. So it, I mean, it kind of makes sense with the, with a larger prop and, and, uh, just a lower RPM. Just to, yeah. uh, clear all this with all you guys, do you guys shoot on tripods ever or are you guys all handheld all the time? For panning airplanes, not for landscapes. I'm handheld all the time. Same. 
I am too. However, I did buy a gimbal this last year just to try out, and I, I honestly I haven't had a had a great chance to to do it. Um, I I find that when I do try a tripod or monopod or whatever, that I wind up picking the whole rig up and still hand holding it anyway. <laughs> something yeah. unexpected happens. Yeah, so. I had, I also have a gimbal, but I've used that for nature for like bald eagles and stuff, and that works. Um, but I've tried to use it for planes, pan, and, and I, it's too restricting for me. Yep. Yeah. That was my thoughts as well. I am also handheld all the way. And it just takes practice. People always ask, you know, how, how do you, any recommendations on how to get to get better panning shots? Like, it's just practice and understanding that there's going to be a lot of failure. Um, yeah. Yes. Just practice, 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 and understanding that you're going to get failure and you're going to have to get past that and keep going and don't give up. Cars are great for it. If, uh, like yep, I yeah. like doing that in the winter and when I'm not going to shows or anything, just I'll sit out on my deck and shoot cars doing 30 miles an hour and just, or one fifth, we'll try it out. See how it looks. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> you can do that to people too. At the end of the air show, when you're sitting there waiting, <laughs> pan people walking, yep. we've done tugs we and golf carts at Chino. Yeah, at El Centro, yeah. I think we were panning Britt Dietz as he was yep. walking back to the B-25. His legs were going really fast over the shop tonight. <laughs> I don't think he knows we were doing that, but... I think I shot that at like one-fourth or something like that. Yeah, something ridiculous. That's cool. But, you know, that brings me back to another point. Like, all this is kind of up to your tastes or our tastes or your individual tastes of how much blur you want in the shot, how much of a risk you want to take and uh, what your style is and what you like, which is why, you know, I feel like you all are in the same boat. You know, I don't, I try not to judge anyone at all ever based on how much prop art they decide to include in the shot or how much, you know, gusto they decided to shoot the shot with. Um, I don't think that I don't have any place to direct someone where to put their shutter at. But I can certainly appreciate a good full disc. Yeah, I mean, Nick, I mean, I think you and I have talked about it uh, in the past, but I think everybody would, well, most people would love to get a full disc on stuff. Um, but sometimes, you know, I like seeing, like, that's just a good chunk of the prop there. Uh, I mean, there's especially some black and white edits that you can do that, it makes the prop stand out more uh, when it's not a full disc, uh, and you've got a good chunk of propeller there already. And you still shows good speed mm-hmm. when you, when you even if you have like a decent chunk of prop. It took me two years to understand this. I'm not sure if I talked to with the other guys about this, but um, Rye guy mentioned you know it's nice to have a good chunk of prop to edit, like two years ago, and I was like, what is he talking about? Get a full disc, let's go, bro. <laughs> but over the years, you know, understanding different editing techniques and as my kind of flow like meshed into this big, you know, style thing that I just kind of gravitate towards now, it's, it's, uh, you know, certain times I'm going for the full disc and other times I want that chunk of prop to edit. I know it's going to look good against the sky or the background, whatever we got going on at the show or the shoot. Um, feels good to get that chunk of prop now. I think a lot of it too is just, it's how much you're willing to risk. 
Yeah. And I know for me, I look at it, you know, on what's flying and how rare is that in my catalog? You know, yeah, like I, said, I, like I was the... I was out shooting Stearman tonight and fortunately I, you know, I live five minutes from Stearman Field. Um, so that's a, that can be an every night occurrence if I want it to be. And so, you know, yeah, it was set at, you know, one over 25 and have fun. And I'm sure maybe I got three or four that landed. Um, but <laughs> you know, if it's, if it's something like the, you know, the twin Mustang at Oshkosh last year, it's first pass that it made. I at least made sure that I had something that was safe. That was, mm-hmm. you know, well within my comfort range that I was going to have. And, you know, once I at least confirmed that on the, on the back of the camera that I had something that, it, you know, was, was okay enough for what I wanted. Then I started dialing things down. What was that number that you started at? Uh, I think I probably started at one over a hundred. Okay. And, um, you know, went, I knew it was a Merlin, so I just went right back down to one over 60 once I was happy with that. And I'm really glad I did because, um, you know, the, I got, I got some keepers out of it for sure. Um, unfortunately I had also bumped off the image stabilization off of the 500 prime while I was walking over there and didn't realize it till after this, but, um, but I'm still pleased with, with what I was able to get out of that. Yeah. You got some good stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think it was James that mentioned the, the failure, um, you know, to anybody that's, that's listening that, that is just learning and i've had several people you know reach out over the last two years or whatever asking about hey how do you how do you do this and whatnot and i think there's this um you know this aura about about photographers you know like you know yeah i took one shot and nailed it well i I can speak for myself and say you know i might take a hundred shots and nail one um and, and that's a such a big part of it that you know you can tell when you when you practice a lot that your keeper rate goes up, but you can tell when you don't practice a lot that your keeper rate really goes down. Mm-hmm. At least that's been my experience. What's going on in FDA? Upcoming stories, upcoming shows. Let's see, we got um, Thunder coming up. Yeah. Right? We got yep. a, a thun- Thunder story coming up. You guys can speak more to that. Yeah, the Thunder uh, recap kind of going over our whole time there. We got out there Thursday, did the class of 45. That's its own separate story that's already came out. So this is taking us from Friday, arrival day, Saturday show, Saturday night shoot, and Sunday morning when we were there. Uh, We also have a piece on a Huey over in England that Kevin Donegan uh, pinned for us. That may be out this week. Uh, Really well done. Good pictures. Kevin Donegan, dude. Good dude. Um, For sure. And then what we got? New York Gallery coming out. Yep. Got the uh, Red Arrows when they finish the tour. We'll release a big, fat gallery. Um, we've got a uh, season in review of sorts uh, of Golden Age. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got uh, some of the Dover Air Show working with the F-22 team. I think that's what's going on on uh, our end. Anything? Yeah, that, that's the end? that's the more directly in front of us stuff that's going to be released. Yeah, there's some yeah. other stuff that's in the works, but not quite set yet. So, yeah, it's a tough time of the year when everything starts slowing down. Yeah, I think there's a Golden Age event next weekend. Don't know. I probably won't be able to make it. 
Uh, I don't know. I think Rai Tai will be there. Don't know if anyone else will be, but probably not. It's it's right in my backyard too. I really need to go to one of those. They're really great, man. They are. Uh, last year, this I think this was when we did the air to air with them, right, Ty and I. Yeah, it was the pumpkin drop weekend. Yeah, that's right. Um, his stuff is is really great from there. Actually, that reminds me, brings me back to an earlier point. You get your unicorn one takeoff at whatever time of day you want. What is your shutter speed? I remember he was telling me with his, you know, he saw the silver Spitfire go up when we did that piece. He shot that, I think, at, like, 180th, and he dropped it to 160th, like, halfway down the runway, like a beast. For, you know, he's got one shot at this, you know, unicorn. He's, you know, for all intents and purposes, balls to the wall. I love it. That was my experience with with Doc's first flight, because it was only going to be one first flight. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I don't remember what I said it to, but it was... It was it was faster than, you know, than what I would expect now. But uh, but nevertheless, it still turned out okay because we were about a mile away from where it was occurring. So <laughs> that's cool. You guys have any shows left coming up this year? Negative. I think I'm done. Yeah, I think I'm done with shows. Like I said, hoping to get out to Air Force Museum, maybe in December. We'll see if that works out or not. But I mean, I have about a probably a 10% opportunity of Aviation Nation for one day uh, out in Nellis, but I don't really see that definitely coming true. Well, I've got about the rest of that 10% to make it 100%. <laughs> uh, I, I intend to be at Aviation Nation on Sunday. If there's anybody out there, hit me up. But i um, looking forward to that very much. I was out there two years ago, and... Um, that was uh, that was a show I won't soon forget, other than the horrible lighting that we had. <laughs> now, it seems like the backdrop there is pretty, pretty good. <laughs> it really is. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not used to having wrong, mountains to shoot in the background. Mountains are always nice to have in the background. Mm. Absolutely. And, and couple that with they had, at least two years ago, they had the Texas Flying Legends Museum there, so... Yeah. Basically, just had that assault on the senses with all the warbirds flying by, and that was having that against the mountain was pretty cool. That's awesome. But well, let's move on to shout outs, Mr. Pascarella. Do you have anything you'd like to shout out tonight? Uh, my Panthers got another win in London this morning. That's about it, man. Very good, Ryan. <laughs> Uh, I really don't have much. I mean, go Yankees. Uh, hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a polarizing comment. Ready? <laughs> Sorry. So, I, that's, that's really it. I mean. All right. James? Uh, I'm going to shout out Sam and F22 team for just hitting 100,000 followers on Instagram. I think that just yeah. happened earlier today. Sam's been doing a heck of a job with them. Yeah, Pulling that's amazing. Team's great. So, yep. had the pleasure to work with him a couple times this year. So, I think he said that uh, when he picked up the account, they were at like twenty four thousand or something like that. Something like that. It's yeah. like yeah, eighteen or twenty four, something like that. Yeah, his goal was to get work, to like man. forty. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah, uh, in TV. April he was like, "I want to get us to like forty thousand. <laughs> it's well, very done, well Sam. put together stuff. 
Yes, yeah. very much so. Good dude. Uh, also, I'll shout out Larry, 211 Aviation. Yeah. Last couple days, if you guys haven't seen <laughs> what he's been doing, yeah, go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing Looks like he got stuff. dusted off by Toro today, so. Yep. Good, yep. He messaged me uh, a couple days ago, and he's like, I don't want to screw this up. What do I, you know, what do I, uh, <laughs> what, do, what do I shoot this at? <laughs> so, What'd you tell him? Uh, I just said, go out there and shoot it, man. Um, you know, keep a high shutter, and I had the big lens on, and um, actually, I'll open up Instagram. Yeah, you had what your one fifty to six hundred on for yours, right? I, I did, and I know I think Raitai used his seventy to two hundred. Yeah, that's what um, I shot it with when I was out there at Thunder. I did tell him I said if there is a heritage flight, don't forget to go back and forth with the shutter because they do the yeah. high speed passes <laughs> afterwards. So yeah. I mean, I think I shot uh, one of Toro's high-speed passes at like 160th, yeah. and he was going right over me, and needless to say, nothing came out. So <laughs> I did the same thing with Loco in uh, Dover. Yeah. yeah. His second high-speed pass, I shot at like one, uh, I think it was like 180th. Just, you know, pure garbage. <laughs> It looks like one of those, uh, you know, futuristic artistic paintings that people like. Oh, fighter jet going so fast you can't even see it. Paintings, <laughs> it melted, you know. Yeah, it melted <laughs> on the canvas. Or it's just garbage. And I deleted immediately. That's usually my route. Yeah. Actually, I would like to say one quick something. Um, I have a new rock band. We are called Dive Break, which is hilarious for you aviation people. Uh, check us out at Dive Break on Instagram. And not like break, like break apart, like break like you're, you know, like a dauntless with the, the dive breaks out and you see that red, you know. I think that's cool about the Blue Angels as well. When they uh, when they have the, the wheels down, they do that dirty roll with the diamond and they come down with the dive breaks out sometimes. You can see the red on the backside. Mm -hmm. I love that. Anyway, you got any shouts out, Nick? Yeah, actually, I have two. Um, I want to shout out my my fellow Nick, Mr. Pascarella. Um, I, I I can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet, but our, uh, our music for our podcast uh, was written, produced, played. You tell me what else you did, but uh, that's all your music, <laughs> Nick, and I love it. So, thanks, man. Appreciate you doing that, and appreciate you letting us use it for here because uh, fits Absolutely. well. I appreciate it. Um, second thing I've got is my buddy Charlie. He's been uh, one that um, done a lot of flying with here the last couple of years. Um, he's been photo pilot of mine. Um, his dad's got a steerman. Uh, at any rate, he just got accepted to uh, Naval Flight School. Uh, and I believe he reports uh, after this semester of school. So um, super cool, super proud of him. Um, so congratulations, way to go, Charlie. Yeah, that's Hell awesome. Yeah. Way to go. With all that being said, um, why don't you guys tell the listeners where they can find your work? Nick? Uh, Nick's Glass Eye at Instagram. Rag That's guy? it. I'm pretty boring. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> mine is really simple. Just Rye Guy Aviation, all one word. And it's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. Uh, and you can read more about me on the Full Disc Aviation website. James? 
Mine on Instagram is Black Knight Aviation, all one word. That's K N I G H T Knight. Um, also, hit me up on the FullDiscAviation.com website. Learn a little bit more about me there as well. You can find me at gravity.images on Instagram and uh, just search gravity images on Facebook. Um, you will find two. I'm the one with the airplanes. And with that, Full Disc Aviation is a group of aviation photographers and enthusiasts that are passionate about sharing our love for aviation with others. Visit our website at www.fulldiscaviation.com. There, you'll find stories and photo galleries. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for frequent content updates. Leave us a review on iTunes. We always welcome any feedback that can improve the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Just remember, the full disc begins at 160th.